0: The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not that of the GUI Media Network or associated brands and sponsors. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity, because clothing is a prison and society will not cage me.
1: In a world. Too many reboots and remakes. Two men will stop at nothing to make it even worse. This is smack my picture.
0: Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, and what have you. And as always, my uh, co-pilot on this journey into the unknown, we've got Tondi Woodard here. (laughs) I, every time I see that scene now in Beverly Hills Cop, I think about, I think it's the family guy, like parody on that where it's just Judge Reinhold. No, no, it was uh, the Clerks animated series where Judge Reinhold is like quietly reminiscing about the banana in the tailpipe as this like <laughs> loving moment between him and <laughs> Axel Foley and it's just
2: uh, that's be- I haven't seen that but it's beautiful I can see it in my mind. Absolutely, it's fucking great. So um,
0: I'm Mike The Hobbit, thank you for joining us yet again for another evening of debauchery here where we uh, ruin things that don't need to be messed with. And At is- all This is a good example of exactly that. Sometimes we have the honor of taking a property that I wouldn't say necessarily was mishandled, but was uh, didn't reach its full potential the first go around. And we have the opportunity to help it along to do something. Yeah. Yeah. There are other episodes, however, where there's a, a beloved cult classic that
2: we. Take a massive runny dump all over and just, uh, and use it as its own toilet paper. Yes. yes. Without remorse, without any, any <laughs>
0: notice ahead of time. And, uh, no,
2: is... you knew what this was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely one of those. This is a beloved film that I grew up with, watched countless times growing up, uh, along with, well, pretty much the entire like 80s and early 90s catalog from this, uh, from the main character of this, of this film. It was, like, no, oh, definitely my entire childhood was Eddie Murphy movies, pretty
2: much. I'm I f- mean, Eddie Murphy is it, the farther we get away from it, the the harder it is to realize what Eddie Murphy was to the culture in his time. Like before Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor's era, he was kind of that Bill Cosby was kind of that, but not really. They were still niche in a lot of ways. And Eddie Murphy was a genuine, universal superstar, like a mega blowout star that was um, that era of transracial, which was something that was just part of the 80s. We don't see color. That was one of the we don't see color people because his his stardom was transracial. It's like the last generation of the mega, super, gigantic star. And Eddie Murphy was one of those people. Like big, like Schwarzenegger was big, or, yeah. you know, but yeah, just a huge force of, uh, of celebrity nature in his time where even the racists are like, I don't know, but, but I do like that. Eddie Murphy, <laughs> where yeah. everybody just, I think that was, that was part of, um, of Spike Lee's movie. Um, do the right thing, do the right thing. Okay when he was talking to John Turturro and he's Spike Lee was like, who are your favorite stars? Because John Turturro's character is implicitly racist. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I, I like uh Prince and Eddie Murphy and stuff, but they're not, they're not in words. They're, they're, they're black. They're not in words. And uh, yeah, beyond, beyond race, it is hard to conceive of in the modern time. The, the cachet that Eddie Murphy had at that point in his career. Imagine in that era that, There's nothing about how you dictate
0: yourself that has the modern like leanings of like not uh, acting black or whatever the fucking language is, is that Eddie Murphy, Uh no changes to his behavior. No, he's himself very happily a a black comedian, a black man in America doing his thing. And the only thing that makes him a pass in that regard is that he's wealthy and and famous. That's literally the bar.
2: And also the the, the most charming man in America. That is true. And like you watch this movie, you watch this movie and you forget immediately that this guy's 22 because he's not playing a 22 year old. That's not what the script was written for, but he's, he's play he's 22 years old and he dominates this film. I almost don't notice that there's a film around Eddie Murphy because he's such a huge presence on screen. This movie rewatching it both.
0: Helped me like come to some sort of terms with the Birds of Prey movie, with uh, with Harley really, Quinn, uh, but also made me realize that part of it was that they just didn't do it as good. The Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> part of my challenge with that is that all the action just fucking pauses for her to have just this diatribe about something, like everybody fighting, uh-huh. and then she's like, "Hold up, it's very weird." But this is ha- that's happening through all of Beverly Hills Cop, where stuff's happening entire police departments are moving and then eddie murphy walks in and then everybody just stops and let him lets him talk for like three so, minutes <laughs> so that he can riff yes yeah and the he, thing is that he's so charming that i think that's just how his life was at that point like he would go to a restaurant everybody Well, he, would just he
2: talks about it it was like that he's the, like the, the path that i had to celebrity and stardom he's like i just walked into this stuff i didn't Like, there wasn't an extraordinary effort made to, like, I'm going to see where I can go. He's like, I just, people offered me things, and I did those things. He's like, I didn't really have a concept for how difficult it was for other people, because it wasn't that difficult for me.
0: (sighs) No, the difficulty came when he decided to start music, uh, a music career. (laughs) Man, I still like to party all the time. Party all the time is a fucking (laughs) banger, like, out-the-gate banger, but... The rest of that album that that's on, uh, because, yes, very recently, Amy Bogart and I decided on a drive to pop in the Spotify <laughs> list for the Eddie Murphy album. And did you listen to Look at All These Roaches? Uh, we, we listened to a little bit of every song on the album and just wow. Yeah, it, it's pretty clear that Party All The Time is the, the full hit on that record.
2: You know it doesn't get better. He's had some other al- He had other albums after that, and they were just as weird and some as bad. Uh, there was one called "Put Your Mouth on Me" <laughs> that was <laughs> very interesting. There was one he did with Michael Jackson where he was like uh, they were like hippies in a hundred million dollar music video that was called "What's Up with You." Wow! And you're like, did, did Eddie Murphy have the pictures or something? Why did you do this this video, Michael Jackson? This is This is weird. There's
0: one song, most of the songs are just about like, like hanging out and like loving a girl or, you know, just the normal stuff and very different styles of music thrown. Like there's a lot of different approaches happening at the same time. There, there's not, there's not a whole lot of cohesion on that record, but there is one
2: That's what people did in the era.
0: Yeah. 100%. And there is also that one song where he's just like black people and white people. I can't remember the name (laughs) of the song, but it's the (laughs) lyrics are just chef's kiss. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't actually solve racism <laughs> With that song
2: it's... Well Eddie Murphy did solve racism For himself, for himself. He solved racism for himself But uh, all you need to know about the 80s And people releasing albums was You remember Miami Vice right Philip Michael Thomas and Don Johnson Both had major album releases uh, As separate entities Trying to diversify their career So yeah If those guys Patrick Swayze, he had a major album release. Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, the Return of yeah. Bruno. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. guess that was just it, the standard fare back then. Was uh, seventies and eighties. That's uh, and late sixties too. Uh D boy had an album. True. Chris I don't know Shatner did, I don't... but I could definitely see him having a <laughs> an album of some kind. Oh,
0: Shatner has a bunch of records. Like the last one has like Henry Rollins and all sorts of guest appearances on it. It's pretty great. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Shatner's career music career actually started where there was a uh, I think it was the Saturn Awards It was a sci-fi awards show back in the late 60s early 70s and he did a cover of I believe it was Rocket Man and he did it in that <laughs> in
2: that uh, Shatner. Yes, I have Of course. Uh, I'm a
0: Rocket Man.
2: Rocket Made Man. Made famous on Family Guy, and then you go back and you actually watch the Shatner version of it and see that it is exactly what yep. was presented on Family Guy. E-
0: exactly. And so after that he released a, he's got a bunch of records out that are just amazing. We are not talking about Shatner on this episode. <laughs> no. We are Eddie Murphy abounds in this movie. Uh we are talking about on this episode which is of course Beverly Hills Cop. You probably know that from I don't know the title of this episode,
2: the title of whatever the title of the show is going to be, yeah. you know, um, the director of this movie, Martin Brest, I was not familiar with him, but, uh, I've seen a couple of his movies. I've seen son of a woman. I think I saw that in the theater. Sure. Uh, which was pretty good, but I also saw his other big movie meet Joe black. Oh, F meet Joe black. That movie is terrible. Yeah. I was uh, a, a good friend of mine was like, Hey, what are you doing? You want to see Meet Joe black i'm paying and and she owes me like a thousand movies from having to go see meet joe black that movie was terrible it's weird how all your female friends sound like characters from family guy <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the only voice i get <laughs> no, <that's fine. laughs>
0: so yeah beverly hills cop it's it's in there as a absolute classic along with you know all the 80s stuff uh golden child trading places the you know the the classic, uh, coming to America, of course. The greats, yes. The greats. They're like the Mount Rushmore. Boomerang. Movie. Boomer, oh, Boomerang. Uh, the toes thing in Boomerang always cracks me up. <laughs> <Hem-a-toes>. <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, Beverly Hills Cop is an absolute classic. Judge Reinhold um, just being a sweet, like, dummy cop and his uh, older partner that are uh, put in charge. John of, Ashton. John Ashton, uh, forced S. to follow John around. Taggart this out of town police officer that is uh, researching <laughs> or investigating the death of a buddy of his. Uh, and yep. uh, that's the plot is relatively loose. There's not a whole lot going on with the plot that it, that's not supposed to be super in
2: depth. Really? There's no, it's, it's really straightforward. Uh, all the characters are really straightforward. They're, not many twists and turns. It's just vehicles for Eddie Murphy to to do his Eddie Murphy thing, and you know, walk through scenes and be the most charming man in the room. And it needed to be that
0: simple. You know, for, there's there's a lot of films where there's depth because the story is the important character in in the the tale. You know, that you're the concept, what you're trying to convey with the film is what's important. And then there's movies that are basically. Uh, just a vehicle for the main actor to do their thing or actors to do their thing. Like the Fast and the Furious movies, nobody remembers the plots. Like the plots don't matter. <laughs> nobody cares. That's not the point nope, of No, they films. just
2: remember that they hate Tyrese. They
0: hate Tyrese. And uh, <laughs> and it's all about family and taking life one quarter mile at a time. And Yes, all that stuff. Insane action. And-, and you remember the action dumb shit that they do. You don't remember why they did it, who the villain was half the time. It doesn't matter. Because it's, it's all who could care. Yep. Uh, the same with comedy films, though, is that you still have that same who could care a lot of the time with the plot because it, it's not about, like, conveying something other than maybe an underdog tale, you know, or, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the the good guy wins in the end story, but it doesn't really matter.
2: Speaking of, as a comedy film, I found the opening of this movie so jarring. Like, the movie opens before the, the, the actual story starts, with just uh, candid shots of how shitty Detroit is like, it's supposed <laughs> to establish how shitty de- like, I'm I'm wondering if they got releases from any of these people. It's just people on the street. Sure. Like, I don't know, drinking out of the sewer and coming out of the strip club at noon or, you know, uh, paying for a hooker, whatever the thing is, it is just candid street shots of people in Detroit. And that's not the tone of the movie. And I guess the only reason that's there is to say, Hey, Detroit's a shithole. I don't appreciate that. Yeah, and I it
0: was definitely probably the worst of the worst of shithole, like, around that era, because people uh-huh. still
2: lived in Detroit,
0: so there was far yeah, more crime. But
2: the economy had completely collapsed because yep. the audio industry was slowly moving out of the area. Yep, so there were plenty
0: of people, like, deeply affected by it, and I've been to Detroit in the last, like, I don't know, 10, 10 11 years, and... Yeah. It's still not a great city. Like it's, there's still crime. There's still shit going on, yeah. but all, no, I, I have, I have also been there yeah, there's fairly also recently, not a lot of people there. So for the size city, it, there is at least, um,
2: yeah, they all live in the, uh, the surrounding burbs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like Richmond. They all work in the, in the city proper and live in the, the suburbs yep. surrounding Detroit. So
0: when you go and try to park somewhere, you go to like Northern lights or or one of the like fun hip bars downtown you can park like pretty much in front of the bar, uh huh. <laughs> because and, yeah, there's nobody's driving, like nobody's nobody's going into the city. I remember going in and seeing a drug deal openly, like, "Hello, sir, I have your crack cocaine." I'm like, "Why, thank you, sir. Here is the money for the crack cocaine." Just like wide open, <laughs> no fucks given at all. Like within a minute and a half of hitting downtown,
2: I see this. I'm like, "Oh, this is this is great." <laughs> This is awesome. it's one of those places where like police don't come here specifically like this five block radius. The police don't come here. Right. And also there
0: was a, they did a program like a dollar for a house program years ago where you had uh-huh. two years to fix up a house uh, to code. Uh, but if you did, like you bought it for a buck and it was just a way of trying to get people to move back into the city. And so. There's these weird neighborhoods where there's like abandoned house, abandoned house, burned down house, abandoned house, brand new house with double pane windows (laughs) and a really nice security system. Abandoned house, just very weird. Like one house on the block looks perfect and new and there's like burned out holes in the ground where a house used to be and just buildings with like with a wall missing (laughs) like next door to it. It's very strange.
2: It's where they film all the Middle East scenes for Middle East movies. I mean, basically,
0: I'm surprised that with the popularity of zombie movies over the last 10 years that they haven't been using Detroit like constantly (laughs) for that.
2: Yeah, uh, that's what the Bronx looked like in the 70s and 80s. Exactly like that. It looked like a third world country, like a bunch of abandoned and half burned down buildings. And yeah. And
0: that's one thing that really doesn't translate uh, very much to this film is that um, and I don't think it was meant to, but that Axel is this like hardened cop from like the undercover cop in Detroit in the eighties. Uh, he's dealing with some shit
2: at that time. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the uh, the, the disparate nature of Axel of Eddie Murphy actually being twenty two, like he's supposed to have all this experience and be a good cop but he can't have been a cop for very long if he's actually 22. Once again, the part wasn't really written for Eddie Murphy directly. It was sure. written for somebody who would have had a little bit more experience, so they just roll with it. But yeah, he's a, he's a kid. Yeah, he's he's a child
0: and still very good at picking out what the who the criminals are. Uh meanwhile in Beverly Hills, uh the police officers are not used to the same level of crime and bullshit that uh Axel Foley is used to. So he comes out there I mean, the, first of all, like, Axel Foley is such a, like, badass cop that in Detroit they're, like, that's already short on cops. Like, wildly short on cops. Crime is through the roof. Uh, they need as much help as they can get. And they're like, Axel, we're going to fire you if you keep doing this shit. That means, like, that's how bad, a, like, he is at towing <laughs> the line uh, at his job. He is the maverick in Top Gun of cops, where he just does it his way. <laughs> and but he, he gets results yeah he should have been like not not only fired but arrested like more times than he can count and for some reason it's just like but damn it you get results
2: <laughs> yeah so that, that doesn't count in the 80s because in the 80s it's always the captain's always like damn it Mahoney you killed 15 people but you did solve the case and that 30 million dollars of property damage we'll take care of it this time but next time be more careful Mahoney
0: and that was one of the challenges with this, uh, with re- 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 remake of, uh, Beverly Hills cop is that with the current climate and the current conversation about, uh, officer overreach and, uh, and the law not applying to those that enforce it, it mm-hmm. was interesting to see how you approach a subject matter like a cop that, you know, does things his own way and, uh-huh. um, and you're celebrating it. Like how, how does that conversation happen? And uh, I I found my way through it, but I'm interested. Like, was that something that you found as kind of a challenge as well? as how to have this conversation without it being like a hooray cops. The law doesn't apply. It
2: was a it was a thought in the back of my mind for one of my pitches. It it does not matter because the uh, the pitch is straight Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, for the other pitch, there's a lot of stuff going on. That's just part of the bigger picture of the seedy nature of the world. So okay, uh, yes. It's 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 always in the background, but it's not really the primary foregrounded thing. Nice. Okay, yeah. I
0: definitely wanted to consider that. More so with one of those one pitch, it is definitely in consideration with the plot, and there was some changes made to kind of make room for a, a more nuanced conversation about that. Um one, I just leaned in real fucking hard. Uh
3: <laughs> just, <laughs>
0: just fuck it. I <laughs>
2: have got cop in the title so you gotta yeah you, you gotta to just address
0: it you gotta do, do it You gotta do it yeah so uh definitely two very different approaches for me um I'll, I'll just start with mine and then we'll we'll go to your your take uh the the tone of this the, what i thought would be the best way to address the police officer aspect of this without it being like a celebration of police officers is that axel foley is in fact uh with internal affairs and oh. part of the part of the reason why he gets like kicked off of a case basically in in Detroit and why his buddy dies is because there's like a a line of like smuggling and and of like drugs and all sorts of shit that the police are some police officers are involved with um and his his cop buddy finds out gets killed uh he gets too close and he gets put on suspension um there's corruption throughout his department um he ends up basically having to go rogue to find out what's happening and he doesn't know who to trust in the police department. So that's like the underlying change to the script. Virtually everything else is the same except that uh, Lieutenant uh, Bog- Bogomil, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the lieutenant of the uh, Beverly Hills Police Department is corrupt. <laughs> because that yeah. was the big surprise of the original one that he seems like he's corrupt the whole time. And then, at the end, he's not, and he ends up covering for them and it's this that's like that's the weird twist. I don't think it was intended to be a twist, but I just always thought
2: the lieutenant had to have been crooked, and no no he's fine well he's he's a representative of the system, definitely, yeah, his boss was probably a little bit crooked D-
0: his boss definitely was, so I just figured making the lieutenant uh crooked and involved in the issue will then address the like institutional problems with the police force while still letting you like root for the cops that are actually trying to end the corruption of the police department so Mm -hmm. so it's it 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 creates an opportunity to root for cops without it being like too problematic (laughs) beverly hills cop the fun of it is it is it is comedy it is funny as shit it's also an action movie there's gunfights there's action there's car chases there's you know whimsy involved as well. So I wanted to make sure it was an, uh, a director and a uh, cast that could handle action and comedy at the same time. Action power fantasy. Yes, absolutely. And the one that it made me mad because it was too on the nose. It was an incredible actor um, that is multifaceted in all sorts of ways. I think is fucking hilarious. Um, can be funny. Can do a lot of stuff and also has a, uh, Done a lot um, musically, specifically uh, facing like political conversation, especially about like uh, racism and overreach. Uh, So, of course, Donald Glover is who I'm talking about. (laughs) Makes it's one of those like, (sighs) it yeah yeah. It seems too easy of a choice, and uh, so I really was trying
2: to pick pick another actor, but. You got to go with what works in the moment. Yeah, I, I just and he, he is he is a a an actor of the moment. Although beyond Atlanta, I'm not sure what he's working on big picture. But what when he does something, it it usually drops pretty big in the modern time. Yeah, uh, well, because there's a
0: lot of even the funny stuff that he does. There's a lot of heart behind it. There's a lot of you know thought behind the characters that he's creating. When it, with Atlanta, there's uh, humor, but with that like humanness to it it's not just like one-liner jokes there's there's experience behind it even his jokes with a stand-up about old rap when it was like i went to the store and i bought a hat um there's (laughs) there's still this like a shared experience kind of feel to a lot of the stuff that he does um yeah so I'm, i'm a huge fan of donald glover i think he would do a great job as axel foley um and i agree it'd be a very good time this next casting is just for me um, and and fans of a specific T show, TV show that I, I think would do a great job as John, Judge Reinhold's character, Detective Billy Rosewood. Um, but also, uh, this is somebody that has worked with the director before, and uh, also with Donald before, uh, Danny Pudi, as uh, Detective Billy Rosewood. Nice. Uh, he and Donald Glover were on a little show called Community together, and they were- uh,
2: Being best, hilarious, being yeah.
0: Fucking hilarious, and best buds. And I think especially for the community fans uh and uh for fans of Donald Glover and Danny Poody, that would be a very fun time to see them kinda interacting on screen again. And I think they're not too shabby a, a fit for the roles either.
2: No, I I, I agree. Then we got Yeah, started. it's it's funny that, that that Rose would get so much more to do in uh in Beverly Hills Cop two, and they do that by completely changing his character.
0: Yeah. I loved him in the first one primarily because he's just this like well-meaning uh, but kind of uh, naive young cop. Uh-huh. That's his whole thing is that like he's got a heart of gold. He's a sweetheart. Uh, he he wants to think the best of people because he's not seasoned and like jaded yet. Great. Awesome. Um, you throw the Danny. And he was Pitty like, there's something wrong with Billy. But then you throw the Danny Putty vibe on it and he's got a little bit of like. Kind of a weirdo vibe to him as well, and perfect. Yeah, great. Then Sergeant Taggart. Uh, this is one that I actually in the last second picked a different actor to play. He's the guy that he plays by the rule book, but he is he's reasonable. He's not he's not a crooked cop. He but he believes in the law and he follows the law. And he's they, there's yeah. no he's very rigid in his approach to stuff. Um, and he's always exacerbated. He's always frustrated and and like, god damn it, you know, just mad at the situation i thought david harbour would be a lot of fun to see uh with danny putty as his younger detective sidekick um oh yeah david harbour would work really well yep and who was, who was your uh, original uh my original was a uh, diego luna originally hmm I I figured that this is L.A. and I didn't have enough uh, representation of uh, Hispanic actors and
2: yeah I think David Harbor works a lot better personality yeah. wise the only issue with David Harbor is David Harbor is a big dude and uh, imposing um, in a way that uh, that Taggart is not necessarily True. yeah he can do he can do more stuff in his cop role and he can be more effective in his cop role than the not effective at all that, uh, that Taggart and, um, and Billy were in the original movie. Sure. Cause yeah, Billy was ineffective
0: because he was naive and he was, he was uh, green, but yeah, Taggart mm-hmm. was ineffective because he was angry and impotent. Like that was his yeah. whole, whole vibe. So yeah, David Harbor, I think would be just like the burned out cop that, He's been trying to do things right for the longest time, and he stays by the letter of the law, but he's also just like, he's tired of this shit. You know, he's he's got that Murtaugh, I'm getting too old for the shit kind of vibe about him. That um, Yeah, well, that is the David Harbour vibe. <laughs> it really is. Just, of course, recently watched Stranger Things Season 4, so that's fresh on the brain, the uh, uh-huh. exacerbated David Harbour. <laughs> uh, then we got Jenny, the friend that gets Axel to come out to... LA or that Axel comes out to see uh in LA who runs an art gallery not a huge ro- ca- uh, character but still very important this is somebody that you know is is kind of the crux to the plot and uh this actress is fantastic and I even for a small role I think would do great and also has been cast in uh The Gray Man which is a a, a film coming out by the the directors that I picked here uh Anna de Armas um, oh, yeah. the actress, she's gorgeous and so talented and, um, I think could have some real like grace to her oh, that, yeah, that I think really works for like a, like a warm person, but owns an art gallery. So there's a little bit of that, like higher class vibe to her as well.
2: Did you see her steamy thriller with Ben
0: Affleck? No, I've not seen that yet. I heard that it's got a pretty graphic love scene in it.
2: Oh yeah, people did not like that movie. I th- I thought it was pretty great. Uh, I I enjoyed it a lot, but I guess I'm not really the the specific, um, steamy thriller audience. But I had a really good time with that movie. You know, I miss the
0: like late, late mid to late '80s through early '90s steamy thrillers. Yeah, of
2: sexy of straight
0: to video. Yeah. Oh man, those were so great. I mean, they were especially towards the end when they were just like cookie cutter after cookie cutter versions of it. They, but they were great. They were so much fun. Yeah.
2: And yeah, we need a, a modern fatal instinct. The fatal instinct. Wasn't that a parody movie? No, no. Fatal instinct was the movie. Was that fatal instinct was the, uh, the, the one with the leg crossing. That was basic instinct. Oh, basic instinct. Yeah, there's fatal attraction well, and basic well, what instinct. Was the, basic instinct. The one where the other uh, with the rabbit. That's fatal attraction. No, that's not fatal attraction. There's no fatal attraction.
0: There is fatal attraction with uh, where it's like I won't be ignored, Dan, or whatever, and boils the bunny and.
2: Yes, but that's that's that is not fatal
0: attraction. That's fatal attraction. No, it's not. <laughs> that's the rest of the uh, episode you... as that's going. Yes, it is. No, it's not.
2: No, no, you're going to patter on about uh, the rest of your your movie, and I'm going to look up <laughs> this movie with was it Glenn Close and Michael Douglas? Yeah she kills the bunny and she's like, I will not be ignored. And he thinks that he kills her in the end, but he doesn't until and she very- comes back. That classic trope of, uh, of damn her- it. You were right. Ha ha! Vindicated <laughs> man. That title set. I, I think I just had a, a, um, a Mandela effect moment. You definitely did. Cause like fatal
0: instinct, <laughs> I swear fatal instinct and I'm checking now, um, it's not recent, but it's a spoof of the late 80s and early 90s suspense thrillers called Fatal <laughs> Instinct with Armand Sante, <laughs> Sherilyn Flynn, Kate
2: Mulligan, and Sean Young. So. Yeah, well, it's it's on the list now. <laughs> I, I will look up this parody and enjoy it tremendously. Excellent. Okay, so... yeah, right, Pat, so You got your Jenny.
0: You got Jenny. Uh, Anna de Armas. Stunning. Awesome. Should do a great job. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Bogomil... Uh, I decided that you wanted the you know, cop that is not dealing with this bullshit. He's frustrated, but kind of in a fun way. Uh, Christopher Maloney is going to be able to knock that out of the park. Oh, yeah. He's going to have so much fun with that role, too. Just being being the asshole cop. That's going to be so much fun for him. So I want to yeah, see. Yeah,
2: Maloney's just a fun guy. He's a fun, tough guy. He gets it.
0: Like when I started listening to Power Metal,
2: <laughs> when I first listened to it, I'm
0: like, they're singing about dragons and shit. This is bullshit even though I'm like a sci-fi and <laughs> guy um, and and love genre stuff. But I'm like, what? it's people that are taking their shit too seriously. And then I went and saw a, a like a show with these bands doing it. None of them are taking it seriously. They're all having fun. They're having a
2: good time. Yeah, they're having yeah. a good
0: time. And that's the same thing with those like procedural shows with Christopher Maloney is he knows that it's silly. He doesn't give a shit. Like he's having a good time. So he would be a very fun addition to this team. Then we've got Zach, the enforcer for the uh, for the main villain uh, who's played by. I forget the actor's name that was in Breaking Bad for much of the series.
2: Uh,
0: Mike, Mike, that played Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's in this uh, as the enforcer for Victor Maitland. Uh, Zach is the name of the character. So I wanted somebody that also had a fucked up nose. Uh, to be <laughs> and is like not unattractive, but also isn't classically handsome. So I went with Jeremy Renner.
2: Yeah, you, you yeah. feel yeah. like Jeremy could... Renner is yeah. He's got that he's got that potatoy face that uh, he <laughs> could definitely transition into that kind of role.
0: You could potentially see him good at hurting people, but also mm-hmm. he's not like this big brutish person. You know, he doesn't he doesn't mm-hmm. have this big hulking uh, look to him. And then, of course, Victor Maitland, the uh, the main villain. I wanted somebody that seemed international, like the the original actor that played Victor Maitland uh, was clearly not like f- an LA person. Like he's just in LA for this for all the crime that he's doing. Um, I decided to go with Paul Bettany for that role. I thought it'd be fun yeah, to I have could... just like a a British actor that's there,
2: just like you know, ripping off the the Yanks or whatever. See the thing is, I I could I I see that Paul Bettany would be good in that role. I don't think I recall Paul Bettany ever playing anything villainous, so that would be a nice turn for him. Probably because you
0: put it out of your mind. Uh, he was the main villain in Solo, a Star Wars movie.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I didn't hate Solo, but uh, I fell asleep for probably a good third of the movie. So. Uh, okay, really. Isn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm confusing it with uh, Rogue One. I did not care for Solo. Oh,
0: see, I loved Rogue One. Rogue One was great. Yeah. See, I thought we, we had a moment there where I thought we agreed on something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's my casting. is, uh, And, of course, you might have been able to put together that the Russo brothers are the directors for <laughs> this. Uh, they did, uh, I think, a little over 20 episodes of the show Community. Uh, yeah, because of the community uh, connection. The community connection. But also, of course, uh, the, the Avengers movies and Captain America movies. There was... Uh-huh. a few other Avengers that I was considering adding to the role. And I was like, I can't just do it as like the cast of the Avengers in Beverly Hills cop. So,
2: <laughs> I mean, they're almost all free now to do fun stuff. Fair so. enough.
0: And that'd be so funny to see them just reunite at doing a remake of an eighties, like action comedy it would be very funny, but.
2: Oh yeah. I think
0: they would know this would be kind of like a fun rest movie for them where it's not all this super high end, hundred million dollar plus budget. Uh, action explosion movie situation. This would be more like a, a comedy first with action second just fun 60, 40, 60 million dollar movie that they'd be able to have fun with uh, with friends. So
2: Yeah, and that's the sweet spot for this kind of movie mm-hmm. uh, anyway, except for the, the stupid, crazy stupid uh, paydays for the stars of the movie. Fair, and the-
0: with this list there are some uh, stars that would take a, a pretty heavy paycheck. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my uh, my real take
2: on Beverly Hills Cop. What do you got? So, I have, of course, my commercial take, which is the one that we're, I'm presenting now. Uh, the The other take is the take that I'm more invested in. But my commercial take is as follows. What I'm going for is a a, a big budget for Netflix, but like a Netflix action comedy. Okay. So in like the vein Red of notice like, or... uh, Red Notice, okay. yes, and that kind of thing. Uh, with that in mind, before I go through the rest of the cast and director or whatever, I will go ahead and present the star of my movie, which is, it's going to be surprising to you, but it's uh, Ryan Reynolds, actually. Ryan Reynolds uh, is I'm re- Axel Foley. I, I, I'm reversing the movie. The movie goes from Beverly Hills to Detroit, <laughs> as opposed from Detroit to Beverly Hills. I kind of love that. I, I yeah. do kind of love that. So the the way it goes down is that Ryan Reynolds is a white Beverly Hills police uh, officer, Axel Foley, and he is going to Detroit to track down his friend's murderer, his friend Michael. Uh, and why Ryan Reynolds? Because Ryan Reynolds is the last action comedy star. That's That's why I chose Ryan Reynolds for yeah. this lead role. Like, The Rock is also an action comedy star, but The Rock is an action comedy star, but Ryan Reynolds is like the last action comedy star. Gotcha, yep. So uh, his friend Michael was an engineer who had some soft evidence for corporate espionage that could sink Victor Maitland's company, so he was murdered uh, in Detroit. So Ryan Reynolds goes to Detroit, he does a little uh, sightseeing, sees the shitty parts of Detroit, thinks of Detroit as a shitty city, but then he realizes that he doesn't actually have the full skill set to deal with the crime that he's trying to uncover because the Beverly Hills police department doesn't do anything. And because there is a, a pretty big tech sector in Detroit, the Detroit police department has the skills to work with him to, to solve this murder. Uh, What I'm going for with this, this movie is the eighties throwback of ridiculous, fantasy power action so lots of shooting mm-hmm. lots of explosions um kind of care f- cares little to not at all for what the precepts of the law are like they did in the 80s and it's not that uh cops are are like the bastions of morality or anything it's just that we want to see these people do uh, whatever they they want to under these comedy action comedy circumstances. So uh, Ryan Reynolds under these circumstances uncovers a little corruption. There's some back and forth uh, (laughs) interacting with some of his friends who he's been on screen with before. And after having a jolly good time with everybody and his new best Detroit friends and discovering that Detroit police are more real police than he is, um, it does the 80s movie thing where basically everything's on fire behind them and they're they're walking away and having their end-of-the-movie conversation. Ha, 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 ha. And then Bogomil shows up and laughs along with everybody else and then Bogomil looks at Axel and he's like, so, you know I have to arrest everyone here, right? And then Ryan Reynolds gives a big smile and kind of looks at the spay into space, going, ha ha, ha, ha ha." And then he's like, he looks at the camera and he's like, "Yeah, that seems about right." That's the end of the movie. So where <laughs> I'm going with that with my <laughs> with my cast is, of course, of course, Ryan Reynolds is Axel Foley, Inspector Todd, who is the inspector for the Detroit Police Department. I'm sorry, for the Beverly Hills Police Department. So we only see him for a little bit, is mm-hmm. Kelsey Grammer. Okay. Because I feel like yeah. Kelsey Grammer is that guy. Yeah. Then everything else takes place basically in Detroit. So we meet Victor Maitland. Victor Maitland is Sam Jackson. Yes. The absolutely. ultimate villain. Yep. Yeah. 100%. His fixer, Zach, the guy who killed Michael, is Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick is the uh, hawk-faced, deep-voiced, kind of villainous dude. He plays almost always like an an interestingly villainous dude. Uh, The thing that people might be most familiar with Lance Reddick from is the John Wick movies. He's the concierge of the hotel. Oh, right.
0: Okay. Yep.
2: Yep. Uh, As Michael, his friend that got killed, uh, is William Jackson Harper from The Good Place. Yep. He was the love interest on The Good Place. Uh, I feel like he represents he represents the kind of person who could matriculate from Detroit to Beverly Hills or from Beverly Hills to Detroit and and work out uh, in either situation. OK, as uh, as Billy, we have Tyler James Williams, who was on Everybody Hates Chris as Chris. Uh who was on The Walking Dead as the worst murdered character, main character on the show ever. <laughs> Still a little salty about that. And right now he's on a show called Abbott Elementary. Um he's got a, a, a wide eye uh, that's the same actor
0: from Everybody Hates Chris to Abbott Elementary. Yes. Wow. Okay,
2: I didn't put that together. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he's he's an adult he's an adult now. He's like 25 or something. Um as Taggart. I feel like I have the perfect tagger for this situation is ice cube is my (laughs) tagger. I feel like he's got the, just the right carriage and the the right irritation level to be a perfect tagger. I
0: mean, he had that kind of energy in uh, 22 jump street when he was like the Lieutenant of, uh,
2: exactly. So as Lieutenant Bogomil, we have a little inside callback. Eddie Murphy is Lieutenant Bogomil.
0: I was considering that. I really, really was. I just it it didn't quite fit with what I
2: was going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just just seems like fun to me. And he doesn't do stuff very often in the modern times. So, yeah. uh, as Jeanette, because the character's name is actually Jeanette in the uh, script, uh, Jenny's a nickname. So I think in in this version of the movie, she'll go by Jeanette. Okay, is Regina Hall? Nice, Regina Hall, brilliant comedy actress but in the recent time has done a lot of serious work mm-hmm. uh, most recently she did a show on, oh, she, she hosted the uh, Oscars with Wanda Sykes and uh, Amy Schumer but uh, she did a show on Amazon Prime called Masters about just being a black woman working at a prestigious uh, university as uh, as like a tenured professor or whatever uh, as Serge, because I just wanted to get this person in this movie is uh, Richard uh, Ayuwade from the IT crowd? Yes, yes, uh, and uh, yeah.
0: What's his travel show? Travel Man, something like that. <laughs> oh, it was yeah. Gadget Man, and then I, th- I think it was Travel Man. But yeah, he did, <laughs> what a fucking weirdo! I love him.
2: Yeah, just just to come in and just be a fucking weirdo randomly, someplace, somebody who you're like, why are you in Detroit at all? And yeah, I think Richard Ayuwade would have a, a really good time in a very a fairly small role under those circumstances. And then for my director, um, I am going for a director who directs exactly this kind of movie. He's the director of red notice and he directed skyscraper. The movie where uh, the rock has like one leg, but somehow jumps between two buildings. Yeah. Oh. he directed, we're the millers who I thought was, I thought that movie was hilarious. Oh, That movie's surprisingly funny. Yeah. And Dodgeball is his other big movie. Nice. Uh, Rawson Marshall Thurber is my director. Nice. Okay. So that is my, my Netflix action comedy pitch for Beverly Hills Cop. I, I like that
0: energy, too. That just kind of hyper-action comedy vibe that you're going for there. I, I, I'm into it. But again... Reason- yeah, basically the modern version of what Beverly Hills Cop was in its time. Exactly. Because... The, the style of action comedy that we have now just didn't exist in the 80s. It, that, that tone wasn't there quite yeah. yet. Uh, ours, the tone now is really polished, uh, really like very quick, very, very big quick quips in the action comedy stuff. That it, it, Whereas the 80s movies, it was uh, like I was talking about this like settling in for a scene kind of vibe uh, to the to the comedy.
2: Yeah, and all the, like the the tone is different as well because um the genres are more and this is this has happened steadily over time but the genres are more st- solidified as genres in the mm-hmm. modern time. So like in Beverly Hills Cop you might have moments where you're like, man, this is like is this a comedy or is this like a like a cop drama, a different kind of movie. Sure. Uh, a grittier kind of movie where in, in a modern movie it's like this is a comedy so we're just going to be silly all silly all the time yep because that's just how things have, have crystallized out over the course of time yeah I, th- I think that would work pretty well I love the, the flip flop that
0: from Beverly Hills 2 and you can still call it Beverly Hills Cop because he's, yeah. he's still a Beverly Hills Cop it, it sounds better than Detroit Cop <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, well the D- Detroit cop is is then the uh, the the cop drama that uh, that follows up that the answer to it yeah exactly which
0: is a little bit closer to what i was aiming for for my remix here uh which we're now at the remix about the wiki wiki no <laughs> yeah fair um so yeah i decided to go the other direction entirely with my remix and just went real fucking hard like gritty police drama kind of vibe. Yeah. So uh, I decided to go with just a, I'm going to start with the director just so you have the the right tone in mind because I don't have to over explain this too terribly much. Um, this is the director of End of Watch, Street Kings, Harsh Times, Fury, Bright, and The Tax Collector. He's written a bunch of films, including Training Day um, and Suicide Squad, uh, <laughs> David Ayer, is uh is my director wow. for Beverly Hills Cop? He is um an icon of the like gritty action movie, uh, and he does try to incorporate humor from time to time in his uh in his films. It doesn't quite permeate the 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 film as much as what would be needed for a true Beverly Hills Cop uh, remake. But I just thought it'd be interesting to see a not winking at the audience version of, uh, of this plot where it's just, that's yeah, fair where everybody's corrupt. And the, the plot difference here is that like literally everybody, including Axel is corrupt, but it's just two warring factions of corrupt cops that are kind of basically at each other's throats. Um, and, and the criminals that are in, involved with them. So none of the cops are good. <laughs> like nobody is, uh, so, so you want it to be like real life. I didn't know. I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm joking <laughs> for legal purposes. Uh, this is <laughs> a joke. Yeah, basically a little bit more of a realistic approach to this. So for Axel Foley, I decided to go with uh, Michael B. Jordan as the nice. you know young upstart that he wanted to. St- he he started be- being a police officer with real hope to like make a change, and then he realized the only change they could make is if he bought into the corruption and tried to basically take it over. Uh, so that's his whole, his whole direction.
2: The stuff. Um, yeah, and- he's he's kind of perfect for that. Like he's a, he's a really good choice for that that specific uh, mode. I think.
0: Yep. And so with this, you're seeing that you know he he still hasn't lost his heart. He cares when his buddy gets killed. It's not just like another oh well that's part of the business. You know, like he actually gives a shit. He's invested. He's trying to find a way to like at least curb things to be less violent. From, you know cut down on the death at the very least. Um, uh-huh. Kind of like the uh, Luke Cage season two uh, can, you know, stop crime by controlling the crime kind of <laughs> vibe to it. Then we've got Detective Billy Rosewood. Um, I went with Michael Pena for that one. He, that's going to be like the comic relief character. Um, but Michael Pena is, was an End of Watch. Um, he's also mm-hmm. an absolutely fantastic actor. I love him so much. Um, he knows... How to be silly in non silly moments. Um, Everybody's favorite monologue guy from Ant Man. Exactly. But also yeah, he, he was also in a recent film that uh talked about the equal level of uh chef's kiss, but in the ridiculous sci fi action realm. He was in Moonfall uh recently. Ooh. Yeah. That is wow. I want I've seen it now twice. We w- we watched it the other night and how's that work? Uh, the second time was a lot more fun than the first because I was watching it with uh, Miss Bogard and we were just <laughs> ripping it to absolute shreds. That is the dumbest thing that I think I've ever seen. It is so.
2: You guys MSTK'd it. Oh, very hard.
0: Uh, not that that was difficult. This movie, like <laughs> that is such a complete garbage fire of a movie. I, when, when you're looking at like the day after tomorrow in 2012 and being like, those are better films. That's the level <laughs> that Moonfall is
2: bad. Ah, that's sad. Yeah. Remember when Roland and Emmerich ruled the 90s? Absolutely ruled the 90s. And now
0: the moon, it's falling. It was the running joke (laughs) through the viewing. Michael Pena, uh, to recover from his uh, appearance in Moonfall, we're giving him this uh, gritty remake of Beverly Hills Cup. Uh, Good luck to that. For Sergeant Taggart, um, I thought it would be interesting to get Will Smith in there as Sergeant Taggart um, yeah, and make him, and he's normally the funny guy. So to get him to be the partner, that's actually the play by the rules guy. Cause he does, he can do drama.
2: He definitely can. Um, oh yeah. I mean, he, he got the best actor Oscar this year. So yes, yeah, so, we know he can kill it. Yes. Yes. In more ways than one. And he can, yep, knock it, there he it can slap it out of the park.
0: There's, there's the one. <laughs> yep. Uh, then we got for Jenny Summers, um, the, the, I don't know, maybe former love interest. There is there is definitely like a, a comfort that you feel between Axel and Jenny, uh, but it's never really fully expressed like what their relationship is. So I I thought it'd be fun. Gallery owner in LA, Margot Robbie, David Ayer. Yeah. Well, did Suicide Squad, so
2: why not just... uh Yeah, how could you not? And then she and, and Will Smith can reunites. do their thing, their charming thing together, and yeah. <laughs> Then we've got uh, Lieutenant
0: Bogomil. Uh, this, I almost cast as both roles uh, for this character, for for both versions, because it's just such a great, great actor. Perfect choice for this. Uh, Brian Cranston would.
2: I considered him for Bogomil, yeah, actually. He was yeah, one of my he, shortlist people. Yeah,
0: he's definitely, I think, would do really well in that role. He can do gritty, of course, Breaking Bad, but also Breaking Bad, he can do funny. Uh, he he can exist in both worlds, um, and I'd be interested to see him in a gritty version of uh, this this film. Then Zach the Enforcer, since uh, David Ayer thinks that this is an intimidating character from his casting in the Tax Collector, uh, Zach will be played by Shia LaBeouf uh, in this <laughs> in this version. I've not yet seen the Tax Collector, uh, but I heard that the idea of Shia LaBeouf being a, a, a enforcer of any kind, uh, just really doesn't work as well as they were hoping it would.
2: I mean, LaBeouf does have like a uh, uncomfortable guy vibe. Like his, his, his crazy, he's got crazy guy vibe. Oh, definitely. So that that could definitely be a thing. Like he, he's somebody who's willing to, to, uh, get hit and still keep coming. Yeah. He's not scared of the hit that's going to come his way. So you, you, if you're not going to knock him out you don't like immediately you don't want to fight him yeah that uh, that makes sense and uh, yeah shyla
0: could def- uh, shyla could definitely do that as the Zach character on this one i'll probably give him less tattoos than he had in the tax collector just save, save on, <laughs> on on uh, the makeup department a little bit and then victor makelin i wanted somebody that was like seemed separated from crime was like the kind of kingpin thing where uh he public figure uh wealthy person that secretly has like criminal organization ties that he's involved with and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, but he thinks of himself as above the crime that he's helping, you know, commit, facilitate. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to see Kevin Bacon in that role as a, uh, mover and a shaker. Yeah. He's a good, bad guy. He's a good, intense person. Yeah. He can do intense and he could do like that friendly but there's like evil behind it <laughs> vibe very well uh, i'm thinking the inspiration for that was uh the film super from uh james gunn where he plays a, a criminal uh, but he does have that like almost police detective vibe to his character while he's mm-hmm. playing this criminal and i thought it'd be you see a- him
2: in first reformed no no i haven't oh uh Put that on your list of movies to see. Okay. It is so intense. It is, oh man, it's so good. Nice. Hell yeah. I'll definitely, I love Kevin
0: Bacon anyway, so always down for one of his flicks. Uh, But yeah, that's the layout. Basically, the police are corrupt. Um, Michael B. Jordan is at least trying to make the criminal element exist in a way that that there isn't like a street war happening uh, from it. And so he's like the only one to prevent like mass deaths from this like clash of uh police officers and criminals that are uh ruining the streets. So. Nice. Yep. So what do you got? What do, what do we bring into the table here for your remix version? I'm always excited. You tend to go a little bit swing away uh with your remixes some of the time. So for
2: my remix Uh, I'm also going for a vibe. Let's see with my director. What movies are associated with my director? Um, Training Day. okay. Um, (laughs) The Equalizers. Yeah. Uh, The Magnificent Seven remake. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is my director. That's solid.
0: I considered you're doing the like more like stylized side of that same coin of David Ayer. Ayer. Like clearly better. Let's just be fair. Like clearly the better (laughs) side
2: of the coin. So, in my pitch, it's pretty much everybody is corrupt as well. Uh, Axel Foley's not corrupt, but the people around him are, are fairly corrupt. And one thing I wanted to focus on with this uh, this serious take is that, uh, whereas in the original Beverly Hills Cop and in my my commercial pitch, there's lots of gunplay, there's lots of like bombastic explosions and stuff. That's not what this movie is. There's there's pretty much no gunplay because you can't really do that in an official capacity and get away with it very well. There's there's stuff that has to happen once a a gun is fired. Mm-hmm. So there's almost no gunplay in this. There's violence, there's lots of violence, but it's all like hands-on visceral like somebody getting their ass beat violence. Okay. Um so in this movie Axel Foley's friend is detained and murdered by the Beverly Hills Police Department under mysterious circumstances and his friend Michael uh, worked for a gentleman in Beverly Hills, Victor Maitland of course, much like the original movie Mm -hmm. Uh, in this movie my Axel Foley is Donald Glover he's your Axel Foley from your your comedy page. Cause I feel like he has the chops for this kind of movie, even though he hasn't really played specifically this kind of role before, but uh, yeah, he knows his buddy was murdered and he finds it out through Jenny, who is more of a partner in my take of the movie. Like she's a more active participant in the story. I like that. She and Axel and Michael all grew up together as it was in the original, but she's invested in, in, in helping solve this murder. Uh, Jenny is played by Florence Pugh. Okay. She's part of, uh, Maitland Enterprises PR team. So she's on the inside. She's kind of in the know. That's a good choice. Uh,
0: she can do the action stuff and like be part of that world, but also can be the office chick, you know, she, she
2: can, she can do both of those things. Yeah. Solid. So, uh, my inspector Todd, so before, um, Axel leaves, Uh, Detroit, my Inspector Todd is Denzel Washington. Nice. Because he's Denzel Washington, he's kind of both a conscience and a father figure that tries to keep in touch with Axel throughout the movie to see how things are going, what's going on. Uh, Even though he fires Axel under the circumstances of just leaving, Axel doesn't have the vacation time. Uh, He's already on the edge because he's kind of a wild card police officer as it is. He has to fire Axel but he tries to maintain the relationship throughout the movie. Uh, my Bogomil is someone of our I've already used in the first pitch because I just I like him in a specific Beverly Hills capacity. It's Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Sometimes and, that happens. I've done that several times where it's just like <laughs> now we got to use we got to use that guy again. And Kelsey Grammer is his Bogomil's dirty. He's dirty as the day is long. He is filthy, filthy dirty. Uh, he and most of the Beverly Hills Police Department is under the sway of my Victor Maitland, who is Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston's wow. my Victor Maitland. Okay, uh, that's solid. Uh, the uh, urbane evil, you know, yep. it's what he does. Yep. It's what he does, and he can do it very well. His heavy, his uh, Zach is Dave Batista. Nice. Uh, Dave Batista, we do get the scene of him actually killing Michael. Uh, Michael is played by John Boyega and michael's deal is that uh, michael is a reporter who is writing a story about maitland and he found out about epstein style human trafficking of minors oh wow okay yeah and so he's gonna he's gonna break the story he does not get to break the story because he is horribly like viscerally murdered by dave batista the the story broke him basically yeah the story yes the story <laughs> broke him um in working with or trying to work past the Beverly Hills Police Department, uh, Axel gets into, uh, falls into bed with uh, Taggart and Billy. Also, and he thinks and we think that Taggart and Billy are dirty. Taggart and Billy are not dirty. We actually find out that they are good cops. They end up trying to help uh, Axel break this wide open. My Billy is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. As like uh, Billy... And as Taggart, we have uh, John Favreau. Um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. John Favreau doesn't get to play many like just fully serious roles, but he has the kind of energy that I saw in Taggart from uh, '84's Beverly Hills Cop. I think he would.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting to see him in like a not even like winking kind of serious role because he's played roles where he's like an angry guy or
2: he's you know a, a kind of a dick, but they're yeah. always well, in comedies in comedies he he often has this i'm over this shit energy yeah like when he was uh what was that boxer movie he did with um his buddy um tall magoo <laughs> Tal i forget me <laughs> yeah uh vince vaughn he and vince vaughn did a movie where he was a he was like a boxer. Oh, was that or made yes made, made. it was yeah. made yeah and uh, he's just got. It, I'm over this shit. Energy well, in his in his whole vibe. Him in uh in Rudy.
0: Uh, he he had that vibe. Him in mm-hmm. um Chef. In Chef, uh definitely had that vibe. Him as the uh, husband in I Love You, Man. Uh, he was the, yeah. the, the the like best friends. Uh, husband, whatever. Um, he was just a total dick. Yeah, he he plays that role very well. Even Happy Hogan has like a a bit of a scrappy edge to him.
2: Yeah. And and that, that's his deal. So we get flashbacks of the friendship of, of Michael and Axel and Jenny throughout the movie. We get flashbacks of the, the incident of Zach killing Michael uh, in the movie. And what we find out is that uh, because of the circumstance of John Boyega being an outsider in this Beverly Hills community, Zach wasn't the only person involved in his murder. The Beverly Hills police were also involved in his murder. He was stopped uh, in a traffic stop under a certain circumstance. He was aggressively indignant, and they let him go, thought a lot of himself, and when they came to get him, they were with Zach. So Zach and these certain members of the Beverly Hills Police Department were the ones to murder Michael. Okay. So Axel conducts his private investigation with the help of Jenny. Uh, because of their, plas- their past relationship, they sleep together at some point in the movie. Uh, I want that to be a thing because we don't really get that kind of thing often enough in modern movies. Uh, not a relationship, just fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in this later part of the movie, this is where we find out that Bogomil and most of the Beverly Hills police departments on the take. Um, there's an end part of the movie that is not action-driven where uh, Axel and Billy and Taggart and Jenny kind of exfiltrate inter- information from Maitland Enterprises um, that gets Maitland arrested and calls into question his relationship with the police department and how that connects to Michael's murder. Uh, but because he's a rich person, it's not immediately satisfying. Um, but before, right before the movie ends, we found out that Maitland was murdered by Zach who is then, he's in the wind, he's disappeared because he doesn't want to be implicated in the depth of depravity that he assisted, the Epstein stuff, basically, that he assisted Victor Maitland with. Damn. So we get the satisfaction that Maitland's been taken out, but we are still, it's still not satisfying because they live in a shitty world, basically. Sure. Our our world. That even a win is sometimes (laughs) not enough
0: to be truly happy about things. Yeah, exactly. And so that's my pitch too. Nice. I like it. That could work actually, which is always fun with the remixes when it's definitely a totally different tone, but you're still like, yeah, kind of still want to see that movie. That's great. All right. Now we are down to, uh, well there's mashups. If we have anything that would, we think would work with Beverly Hills cop as something to mash in to that world. I thought of one that would be interesting, which is uh, what, what you got? Super Troopers, if, <laughs> uh, as like a sequel or something, where uh, Axel Foley has to go investigate something, uh, buddy situation kind of thing. But it's like the jurisdiction of the Super Troopers, and it's these like fucking wacky, like party boy uh, state troopers that he has to like try to get to actually do their fucking jobs. And and the problem isn't that they're corrupt, it's that they're inept. Like they're just bad at their jobs. And they yes, yeah, smoke the weed and that <laughs> they confiscate and they are partying and and sex on the job and uh, yeah, just all the crazy. And stuff. comedy ensues. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, oh, that'd be a pretty good mashup. Uh I think the aforementioned twenty one slash twenty two jump street might be a uh, an interesting uh pairing. Make Axel like uh <laughs> Uh, maybe they try to, like, uh, they're like, maybe we can make him a student. And they're like, no, you you definitely cannot make Axel a student because he's clearly an adult. So he's like a cop at the school and in his class happen to be these two other undercover cops who are the, uh, the guys from 21 Jump Street. That's awesome. Yeah, the, he gets installed as, like, officer,
0: like, uh, for that school and uh-huh. has to help. Yeah, that's great. That's like a weird... That's a, that's a Beverly Hills cop meets like teen coming of
2: age, uh, movie vibe there, which is interesting. Yeah. They don't do them like that anymore. They don't make teen coming of age movies that star adults cause they know it's weird in the modern time. Yep. Yeah. Now there's actual teenagers
0: when they're teenagers, when we were yep. coming up, if you were 16 in a movie. It was
2: played by, like, a 28-year-old like, person. Yeah, a 35-year-old person. Yeah. One of the uh, the ladies in Porky's is, like, 60 <laughs> with her, <laughs> her other fun high school friends. Right. That's There's a musical that came out um,
0: called, like, I Think I Love You, Evan Hansen, or something like that. It's a uh, uh-huh. musical where the person who wrote it uh, was the correct age to play the character when – or at least, like, reasonably within range to play the character – when it came out on Broadway and now that it's a filmed version, he still insisted on playing the character, even though he's like a 30, like eight year old man. <laughs> yeah. And so all the other characters are portrayed by teenagers. And then he's just this like 30 mid thirties dude that is. playing. Yeah. The teenager. pushback
2: for that was hilarious. Yeah. So great. It so. is kind of an epic troll, although that was not <laughs> his intention. That is an epic troll, but yeah, it, different times, definitely
0: different approaches to uh, <laughs> filmmaking from, from our days. But, uh, yeah, so 20, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, Super Troopers. I think we got a couple fun ideas. But what we are going to close out this episode with is what we always do is the trailers. So I'm going to think Russo Brothers is going to be more fun for me to do my trailer for. So I'm doing that one.
2: Man, I don't even know. Uh, let's Since you're doing Russo Brothers, I'll do the serious one. Okay, so you're doing the... Uh, the, the Antoine, Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua,
0: this is just fun to say. So yeah, cool. I'll let me keep the music.
3: From director Antoine Fuqua comes the story of Donald Glover's Axel Foley. His friend Michael has been murdered. John Boyega's Michael deserves to be avenged, and he will. As Axel heads to Beverly Hills to meet their former friend Florence Pugh and get justice. (laughs) In Beverly Hills, they run into the corrupt. Police Lieutenant Kelsey Grammer as Sergeant or Lieutenant Bogomil. And Billy and Taggart, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and John Favreau. In this pitch, my cast members are spread all over the page, so this is really hard for me. (laughs) As they try to save themselves from the machinations of Tom Hiddleston as Victor Maitland and his heavy Dave Batista. The world is corrupt, but can these non-corrupt men and women avenge their friend and find justice in this dirty world from Detroit to Beverly Hills in Beverly Hills Cop? Coming this up. Yay. <laughs>
2: Was that off the cuff? Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, I. So usually I have my my cast like in a, a clean list that's not that's outside of the uh, the actual story beats or whatever. Sure. But for this second pitch, my cast is just they're all over the place. I don't even know who's in this fucking movie. <laughs> <So you're> like, <laughs> that was. Uh i need to hear a trailer at one point where you
0: can see the person doing the narration that's caught up with something I'm like hold on i lost my place or something in the middle of the trailer
2: i fucking love it you know there's a lot of that
0: oh yeah 100 percent.
2: everything's a thousand takes so
0: uh speaking of which i'm gonna do this in one because i'm a fucking professional uh this is my a fucking pro fucking pro uh this is my russo brothers take on beverly hills cop
1: Axel Foley is the cop that plays by his own rules and those rules take him to Beverly Hills to investigate the death of his buddy Mike. Join Donald Glover's Axel Foley as he teams up with Detective Billy Rosewood and Sergeant Taggart played by Danny Pudi and David Harbour respectively as they track down crime. Watch out, crime. (laughs) It's getting in their way as Lieutenant Fogamil played by Christopher Maloney who doesn't appreciate the... the... Outlaw, uh, Wild West antics of Axel Foley coming into his town, but through the help of this wild card, Victor Bateman, played by Paul Bettany, gets his his due. <laughs> this summer, Jerry Morenner is Zach, Jenny Summers, played by Anna Darmas, and featuring the. Uh, Kevin Bacon no I don't know uh, <laughs> that's the other one um, <laughs> from the directors of Avengers Endgame and Cherry <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop
2: woo I rented out a theater I've rented out the theater already <laughs> no monkeypox for us as we see this wonderful movie no shit for
0: this episode, we are complete. So thank you so much for sticking around and uh, enjoying this trip to Beverly Hills with us. Join us next time for another episode. Uh, follow us on social media, uh, GUIPodcast.com, to find links to the social media stuff at our old episodes. Rate and review, subscribe, all that stuff you need to do podcasts. We'll find you next time. I'm Mike Hobbit, and uh, you just,
1: yeah, got picked smacks.
0: You smacking the pitch. Pitching
2: the smack. Smacking pitches. Oh, yeah. Pretend that I didn't drop out of the meeting for three minutes pitch, there. Pitching smacks.
0: <laughs> or I just might add this at the end as a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> uh, yep. Tandy's still here.
2: Totally, <laughs> totally still on the call.
0: Didn't abandon me. Like, getting up, like, right before the credits, like, in a movie theater.
2: (laughs) I had to get that banana
3: out of my tailpipe. Yeah, fair.
1: Welcome to GUI Nights.
0: GUI Nights.
1: Yeah, I am Lowdown
2: Brown. With me as always... Mike the Hobbit. This is the tangential side of
0: GUI. This is like so many of those other shows that has the after the show And we are the Geek Fathers. That's right, bringing all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So welcome to our world. And as always, join us or
2: cry. Coming
3: straight from the mouths of Madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television,
0: composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror,
2: embrace the madness.
0: In a world of blockbuster movies, there is another dimension.
2: The dimension of schlock cinema. Join us at beautiful disasters on a journey into the fringe territory of b-movie abandon we review the
0: flicks that are forgotten or underappreciated to give them a proper place in the annals of celluloid history i'm the groots f you hunter your
2: guides at beautiful disasters come along with us for a fun ride
3: may May the the flock be be with you. you